Good morning, church. How are you? What a Sunday, huh? We, the tank is open. It's always good. We've got hot dogs, graduations. It's just such an honor to be here together this morning. Good morning to our friends watching online. It's just my honor that we get to open the word of God together and ask the spirit to teach us and change us. Um, my name is Mindy. I am one of the elders, if we haven't met. Um, and I just wanted, so I wanted to start this morning with a story about my Bible. I know that maybe some of you, uh, if you follow our prayer thing, you might have already heard uh, the story about how my Bible survived this massive fire at New Hope. And if you haven't heard the story, uh, you can come find me afterwards. I'll tell you the long version. But the short version is that exactly two months ago today, we had this massive fire on our property. And our whole carport was destroyed. It was wooden. Um, eight cars exploded. We lost our whole bike shed and our community play space. And my, my minivan, my Dodge Caravan, went up in flames. And two days after the fire, I, I went outside just to take one, like to say goodbye to my car and to take some pictures. And as I was walking into the rubble, I saw that I had left my Bible in the front console. And that Bible was very special to me. Um, it had been with me for most of my adult faith. Um, and like, if you don't know, I'm, I'm like a Bible girl. I'm one of those people who has like highlights on every page and post-it notes. And so um, it, I was heartbroken to lose it. But God gave me this really mystical and miraculous gift in that my Bible did not completely burn in the fire. And like we're talking about 40-foot flames and explosions in the middle of the night. I, I have a photo from, this is just before our security cameras melted. So the flames actually got double that height. Um, and like this is explosions at 2 a.m. Um, but the next slide is how I found my Bible. Now I'm not sure if you know, but Bibles are made out of paper. So you can see utter destruction, and then, like, do you see, do you, can you see how it's burned open in that second picture? I found it burned open. And those words that you can see there are from Lamentations 3. It's the same song we sing. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. I, I, still, I still get goosebumps. Did you, did you, get, did you get goosebumps? Um, wasn't it kind of the Lord to give me this word and this miracle? Um, and Lamentations 3 is not actually our passage this morning, but Ecclesiastes 3 is. And I, uh, I found these pages in my old Bible, and I've, 
uh, you can, the next slide, um, there they are. You can, so you can see my, my highlighter and my purple sparkly pen. And um, I've just had these on my desk as I've been preparing this sermon. And so I wanted to have them here with us this morning. I also have an unburned copy of the Bible. Um, and I, I invite you also um, to open up your Bibles or the Pew Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. And just to kind of have it open with you as I share today. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about how our present moments are when time intersects with eternity. And that includes the big miraculous moments, like when I found my Bible unburned. And it includes the terrible moments, like when I woke up at 2 a.m. to see my van on fire. And it includes all of the mundane moments of our lives in between. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that what you would do in our hearts today would be the same thing that you did in my heart when I found my Bible unburned. That we would be in awe of the power of scripture and in awe of the unique and mysterious ways that you speak to us and care for us and love us and meet us in our lives. Amen. Amen. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, I want to ask you all a question. Oh, not yet. Um, <laughs> here's my question. Have you ever been surprised by time? Interesting question. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Have you ever been like looking through old photos and you just like see how young your kids used to be or maybe how young you used to be and you're like, oh, you get like that achy feeling like where did the time go? Or maybe you're flipping your calendar to June and it's like, oh, it's the summer is here already. Like I'm graduating already or like I, wait, time flies. Where did the time go? Has anyone had that, that achy feeling, that achy feeling of being surprised by time? Okay, so here's my second question. Second question is, doesn't it seem strange that we're surprised by time? When you think about it, many of us are entirely controlled by time. Like our calendars, alarms, appointments, like I, this thing rings at me all day long. Um, and yet, time still surprises us. The movement of time in years leaves me feeling nostalgic and achy and in disbelief. I love the philosophical arguments that perhaps this achy feeling we get about time is maybe evidence that we weren't created for time, but rather for something timeless, for eternity. Today's passage is a philosopher in scripture who comes to a similar conclusion. So uh, let's, let's read Ecclesiastes 3. And yeah, just I invite you to savor these words. They're like a poem. We're going to go up to verse 14. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. 
a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Amen. Okay, so let's just start with some background of the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, if you've read it before, do you know what this book is famous for? There's this repeated refrain that it's famous for. It's the meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Um, and meaningless is the Hebrew word, trans, the Hebrew word hevel, which literally means a vapor or a smoke. And it's used in this entire book 38 times as a metaphor. So you can go home and read the whole book tonight, but uh, basically the author's goal is to target all the ways that we try to make meaning in life. And then he kind of goes through and deconstructs every single one of them. So work is hevel, wealth is hevel, pleasure is hevel, youth is hevel. These things are like a vapor or a smoke, so they're fleeting or temporary. But also, they're like, you try to grasp it with your hands, and it falls through your fingers. Um, so you know, Ecclesiastes can actually be a pretty depressing book. So interesting is that the, in the crux of the author's bleakest commentary, he throws in the same line that we see in today's passage in verse 13. This is the gift of God, which is the gift of our everyday lives. So we're going to dig deeper into chapter 3. We're actually going to start by looking at verses 9 to 14 first, and then we'll kind of come back to verses 1 to 8, so we'll do it backwards. You remember the first question I asked about the achy feeling we get about the passage of time and how that feeling is maybe pointing us to something beyond time. Verse 11 says, He has set eternity in the human heart, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. On theologian Peter Kreef's commentary on this verse, he makes the same point that I began with. We experience only time, and yet we desire eternity, timelessness. Why, for heaven's sake? 
Where did we ever learn of this thing called eternity to desire it? Why, if our existence is totally enveloped by time, do we not feel at home in it? Our desire for eternity, our divine discontent with time, is hope's messenger. But then, if we keep reading in the passage, so the author kind of goes from talking about eternity, and then in the very next verse, he starts talking about these everyday things in our lives, like eating and drinking and working. Verse 12 to 13 say, I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. And maybe if you're like me, when you first read that, are you, I was kind of like, oh, is this a shallow, hedonistic, seize the day type of message? Or is the author of Ecclesiastes trying to help us make a connection between eternity and the present moment? A connection between the aches and longings of our hearts and the person standing in front of me right now. One of our big ideas this morning uh, was first introduced to me in C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, which said, where he says, the present is the point where time touches eternity. And when I use the word eternity, I'm not necessarily talking about the duration of forever, although you could say that, but we're talking about this timeless cosmic kingdom life. And when we talk about the present, we're just talking about those everyday moments of our lives where we ask, like, God, how should I live life on this earth? If you uh, haven't read the Screwtape Letters before, it's, it's, this piece, it's literary fiction. So it's, uh, Lewis does this thing where he writes as a senior demon giving advice to a junior demon on how to tempt people. Um, and it's fictional, but in this passage, the enemy referred to is, is God, so don't get confused. Um, but he says, the humans live in time, but our enemy destines them to eternity. He therefore, I believe, wants to them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to that point of time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. Of the present moment and of it only, humans have an experience analogous to the experience which our enemy has of reality as a whole. In it alone, freedom and actuality are offered them. He would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him, or with the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. My point this morning, and Lewis's point, is that the present moment is uniquely and divinely infused with those moments of encountering God through our everyday lives. And in contrast, if you kind of get tempted to live in the past, I know some of us do that, you might, you might get kind of caught up in, regrets or the, you know, the good old days. Rather, if you, I think probably a lot of us get tempted to live in the future, where maybe if I, if I get a better job or a better salary, or if I, when I have a family, then my life will be meaningful. 
or the anxieties of the future of like, oh, I can't take any risks now because what if, what if, what if? The future is actually, Lewis says, is where you'll find some of the worst vices of fear, anxiety, lust, ambition, greed, and it's easy to get caught up there. I mean, sometimes the planning for the future is our present duty, but worrying about the future is not. Rather, the present moment is where we encounter God through both the good and the bad of our everyday lives. I love how the Lewis's list at the end um, includes everything from giving thanks for our present pleasure, like, thank you, God, for this sunny day, and then also bearing our present cross, because our present moments include both the joy and the mess. Um, I have a story that felt like a bit of a metaphor of this. So every month, I meet with my spiritual director on Zoom, and Last summer, I was having a busy day, so I took my Zoom call on my phone in my car in the back corner of the Lougheed Mall parking lot under a shady tree. And if you haven't uh, heard of spiritual direction before, it's just someone who's trained to help create space to cultivate spiritual awareness in your life. So for me, it's always really powerful. I'm inevitably like crying as God is revealing things to me. And if you can imagine, me in my car, on my phone, crying. And then I look up, and there's a man peeing in my tree in the parking lot. And I honestly just had to laugh, because it felt like a delightful metaphor. Because I want the kind of spirituality that has powerful encounters with God in a parking lot with pee as often as our mountaintop vistas. No? No one else? <laughs> um, I want a theology with hands and feet that leads me to find God, to see beauty in unlikely places. That's, that's our life, right? I've spent a lot of my life working in nonprofits. Um, we spent about a decade working with the poor in Cambodia, and I currently work with refugees in Surrey. So I'm suspicious of any interpretation of scripture that isn't good news for the poor. And there's something about this passage when you read it that kind of feels like fancy people eating at a fancy banquet and enjoying their lives. But the more that I spend time on the margins of society, the more that I see that this passage and all of Scripture is good news for the poor and suffering. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God for everyone. My husband and I love eating and drinking. And we were recently um, at this fancy resort where they literally like had a, it was a blowtorch like this big and they used it to creme brulee our donuts. And it was very, very fancy, very delicious. Um, but in contrast, I've spent so much time in the slums of Cambodia with my friends and eaten a 10 cent freshly fried donut that was equally euphoric. 
Because everyone gets to eat and drink and enjoy the gift of God that is donuts. I was hoping I'd get an amen for that. Um, <laughs> my friends in Cambodia had difficult challenges in their lives. Um, but they also got to find satisfaction in their toil of picking lotus flowers and raising their children and lighting a charcoal fire to cook dinner. This isn't a passage that's like, la, 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 just be happy and enjoy the moment. There's no suffering in this world. Rather, the entire book of Ecclesiastes is about how there is a lot of suffering in this world. And so we get to work even harder to find the beauty and the God moments. And if I had time this morning, we could preach a whole other sermon on how our, our present moments of suffering and how we encounter God in our most difficult present moments, too. If we look at the Gospels, we all know that Jesus was a man who lived in a specific point in time and history. The Gospels, even, you know, they, they make the point of recording those specific times of day, like he was praying at dawn or at the third hour. The life of Jesus was rooted in those present moments of stopping by a pool, inviting Zacchaeus down from the tree, eating and drinking with his disciples. And he also knew when it was time to die. We know that prayer, Father, the hour has come. And when you think about everything we're talking about, about time and eternity, like, you know, Jesus' death on the cross, it's that ultimate example of how time intersected with eternity and that moment in time reverberates for time to come. And then we make that application about how moments like that exist in our lives today and what we do with our present moments including those big things like following Jesus or getting baptized, those moments touch each other. There's something timeless is happening, right? And so do our everyday moments, our everyday choices. Putting down your phone to spend time with some kids or choosing to process our grief, our difficult feelings, or delighting in our work and food. These are moments that also touch eternity and reverberate for time to come. My Bible uh, that burned in that fire. My mom gave me this Bible when I was 17 years old, um, when I graduated high school. And it was with me uh, living in three different countries through two decades of faith. That's a lot of moments in time. And every single one of those highlights with my sparkly pen like represents a moment in time where God was working and changing me and doing something in my life. But one thing just as I've been preparing this sermon, it's just the, the word that those moments in time didn't burn when my Bible burned because 
they were timeless. Like, they, they're, they're in me and with me for, for a lifetime, changing who I became. As a final exercise before we wrap up, um, I want to give you an opportunity to let God speak into this present moment. Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to read verses 1 to 8 again. And I invite you just to take a moment to hover or highlight uh, maybe one where God is nudging you. I do have an extra sparkly pen if anyone needs one. <laughs> um, Maybe God wants to use these verses to speak into something that you're going through now, whether it's a time to speak or a time to be silent. Or maybe he wants to speak into a past season that you're trying to make sense of or a new season that you're moving into, maybe as school finishes. This passage is asking all of us the question, what time is it for you? And often, our present duty is just to pay attention to the stirrings within us, right? So we don't want to miss these moments. We can let the preacher read the passage, and we can tune out. Or this present moment of 1056 on a Sunday morning, we can choose to let ask God's spirit, what would you have for me this morning? Right? Yeah? Are you with me, church? Okay, let's read verses 1 to 8. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. I hope that God revealed just something to carry with you and to spend more time with this week. Um, again, that question, what time is it? What time is it for you? And I pray there were people who just pay attention when, when the Spirit nudges us. Oh, I felt a nudge there about a time to plant. Maybe you're planting something new in my life. I should maybe see what God wants to say if I sit with it longer this afternoon. If nothing came up for you, that's okay, too. Um, may, again, maybe just you can read it again at home tonight or read the entire book tonight. Um, 
But if you go home and forget everything else that I talked about this morning, um, I do hope that the next time that you have that achy feeling about being surprised by time, that you'll remember this passage, that God has set eternity in our hearts. He set this kingdom life in our hearts. I also hope that you'll pay attention to the present moments of your life and all of their its delightful beauty and mess in its parking lot pee and donuts and carport fires. And to know that these are moments where time is intersecting with eternity. Amen. Well... We have the great honor of witnessing one of these significant present moments in the life of two of our youth. And I love that, that question, what time is it for you? I love that Hannah and Oliver answered that question. It's time for me to get baptized. Um, so let me just pray for us, and then we get to turn our attention to the tank. God, thank you for this moment right now. And thank you for all of the moments that make up our lives. Thank you for setting eternity in our hearts, and may we live our present moments for you. In Jesus' name, amen.